With the Kroger Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices, which adds up to big savings for the win. You also earn fuel points on every purchase, which means you win big at the pump. The Kroger Plus card, all you do is win big, big savings. Sign up now at Kroger.com and start saving. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. For the love of fall, Starbucks pumpkin spice lattes and pumpkin cream cold brews are back. Smooth espresso dashed with pumpkin pie spice and velvety whipped cream. Or cold brew topped with pumpkin cream cold foam fit for the season. Your pumpkin awaits. Order today in the Starbucks app. Ready for the interview, and if you get a cue live on the laptop, watch what I'm gonna do. Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view. Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto. Real talk, pronto, doctor, DPHD, hit an intro. Hold up, wait, gotta be social, network, global, home for the locals. Gotta be social, network, global, home for the locals. Okay, we're here with Alora Lovelight. Alora, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you coming on. And I love talking to artists, musicians. I've had many throughout the years. So tell me about your journey into this, into this business. Oh, um, wow. That's a broad question. Mm-hmm. I, um, I started playing piano at a very young age. And I was always really into music. My mother... Um, was in music, she played at church, she played in school, she was a piano teacher, and I just always loved it. I always was fascinated by it, and I felt like, you know, it it always moved me in a way that just felt like really connected to myself and spiritually and all of those things. It just kind of felt like that's who I really was, always. And so, um, yeah, that's where it began, and it just always stuck. It always felt like the right thing. It always felt like this is, you know, what I'm really naturally good at. I just, I feel very, very lucky and very blessed that I always knew that me, like music was what I was supposed to do, you know? And Were you encouraged I, quite a bit to do music by different people in your life? Yeah. Yeah. My mother, um, she would tell anybody that like, she said, she, I've heard her tell the story before that like, she never has really, she taught many, many students and she said she never really had a kid where she could like. I would pick up on it so fast. She would play a note, we would play a game and she would have like M&Ms and she would play a note on the piano and I would like run in and find the note. And that's like at the age of four or five. Mm. Um, And so she said it was really interesting to like watch me and how much I would, she said I was just like a sponge. I would pick it up. She would play something. I would want to play it. Um, So she definitely encouraged me. She taught me for the first few years and then that mother-daughter thing came in and kicked in Um, (laughs) yeah she said she she encouraged me to you know she sent me to a great great teacher who was a huge influence on my life um and I was with that teacher Mrs. Anderson shout out to her shout out Um, Mrs. Anderson yeah shout out Mrs. Anderson um I I studied with her until I was 18 and so I studied with her about 10 or 11 years and then, um, not 10 or 11 years, but you know, from seven to 18. Yeah. And then um, I went to school for music. 
Um, and then high I stood school. there. Yeah. And my high school choir teacher, I was president of the high school, you know, the high oh, school. I was go. like that kid. That yeah, person, totally. Right? Yeah. Totally. So um, my, my high school music teacher was very encouraging and very much put me in a position where it was like, lead, you know, I would lead the women's group. I would lead the choir. I would do all sorts. I would lead rehearsals and just kind of put me in a position where it was like, this is your gift. Use it, you know? And, and yeah. I had, I'm very, very thankful. I had a lot of amazing music teachers. Yeah. And it sounds like that. Let's talk about Mrs. Anderson a little bit. You said yeah. very influential. Let's she give her some best. time. What was the biggest influence of that time working with her? You know, the thing that she taught me, which I hope she sees these things, you know, because like, I hope she knows that um, you know, teachers are so important in the world and really change, change lives. Um, and she, for me, very much gave me a space to foster my gift, but never made it feel like, she never made me feel bad for making a mistake which was a very, very important lesson, life lesson mm -hmm. that I learned from her. Um, she never made me hate it. She never made me not want to practice. I mean, I was a weird kid. Like I, my mother would like ask me to stop, you know, I like wanted to practice all the time. That's great. And that's, yeah, that's unusual. But, but she taught me so many great lessons that go with life and with music, you know? That's really wonderful. So then yeah. you got into you went to music school. Like what music school did you go to? What was this? this? What was, what's the experience like? Yeah. I went to the university of Northwestern in Minnesota, Minneapolis. Okay. And, um, technically it's St. Paul, but they're one and the same. Um, but yeah, I went to school in Minnesota and then I studied music. Um, and I actually have a degree in music composition. So I studied really how to write music. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, I love it. Yeah. I love, I love like orchestration and writing violin parts and writing choir parts and that's wow. really always been very fascinating to me so that's different I feel like a lot of people in the business they don't necessarily have that background no a lot right? of right a lot of people don't yeah what makes that as a unique viewpoint for you and what you do like how does yeah. that separate you you know big time yeah it's very interesting I just talked to somebody about this the other day um in an interview that you know the wave of music nowadays is that you technically don't really need to know anything about music theory with the way that the program is. Um, and like lots of programs and lots of apps and lots of um, beat making things, they, they do it for you. All of, they're all automated with the keys and the key signatures and the colors and the letters. And I'm like, how did you know that wasn't the same key? And they're like, oh, I just clicked this one and this one, they match. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so, but that's all to say that it's still very valuable for me that training classically like that developed my ear for music in a way that I just don't think you can do without training and really studying different like you can do music and you can be an artist a hundred percent absolutely but there are elements where you know I'll be in a studio session and the 808 will be out of pitch and I know and that's unusual for most people you know yeah yeah. So it does, it does give me an advantage for sure. I, and I, and I soak it up, you know, I really appreciate that it does. So that's amazing. I would, 
wouldn't think about it that way. That's very interesting. Like, yeah. you just hear that, the 808, and you're like, no, that doesn't sound right. I'm not sure the average person would like, they just go, oh, the beat sounds good. Right, <laughs> which, know, like, which most people do. And and most people don't even know like an 808 is actually pitch. Like 808 is actually called an 808 because of the frequency. <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, so like a lot of, most musicians don't know that. You're good. But yeah, yeah. that's so, crazy actually. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. I love it. It feels like a superpower. Like I know. I thought that was like the requirement coming into the music industry. Isn't like, of course, you have to really read music, but no, that's not really the case. So I have a lot of questions, but let's backtrack <laughs> a little bit. How do you? Well, what music did you like growing up? Let's go back there. Like, what some musical sounds influences that started to shape your music? Um. Always, always jazz has been something that is like, mm. still to this day is probably my favorite genre of music. Um, I love the organic instrumentation of jazz. And I love that jazz is based on theoretical music, but mm. it breaks all the rules, which I also yeah. love. Um, there's kind of like, you know, there's rhythm, but then they break all the rules of rhythm and, and the keys, but they break all the rules of key signature. So I always loved jazz. I always loved, I played the saxophone as a kid very briefly, but I love the saxophone. I still do. Um, so jazz has always been my favorite. And then growing up, it, it turned into R&B, which mm -hmm. is why I became an R&B singer. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah, it turned into like Anita Baker, Whitney Houston, like Jill Scott, Shaka Khan, that that's what I would listen wow, to. That's good stuff. Brandy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Anita Baker. I don't, I don't know how old you are, but like, that's bringing it back. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I like Anita Baker a lot. Like, totally. Totally. Yeah. She's one of my top favorites for sure. Man. I don't think a lot of people today appreciate Anita Baker. No, they don't. But and shout out to Anita Baker. Shout out to Anita queen. Baker. So good. Yeah. My mom always listened to Anita Baker when I was growing up, mm -hmm. like yep. all the time or Luther Vandross. Mm -hmm. It was like, that was like on her rotation. Totally. <laughs> All the time. Me and my aunt will go back and forth with music. She's like, Luther Van, her dog's name was Luther after Luther Van. <laughs> She's like totally big on Luther. So that was kind of like the, whenever we get together, we all get on our playlists and play music and it's fun. So this is an interesting offshoot of it, I think. So you're talking about R&B. A lot of this R&B you're telling me is from the past. Yeah. I love R&B. I'm like a massive R&B fan. I'm not sure I know what that actually means today in music. Yeah. Like, I want to know, I want to get your perspective on kind of yeah. where we've been, where we are with that genre of music. Yeah, that's a cool question. I feel like everything is kind of rooted in jazz. Um, yeah, I think like music wise, chord wise, especially like hip hop and R&B is definitely stems from jazz. Um, and then, you know, rhythm and blues kind of took that jazz and gave it a funk and then it became, you know, R&B. That was, you know, in back then in the 90s and the 80s and whatever. Yeah. Um, nowadays, I think that there is a cool kind of, I think R&B is kind of like the love child of all music. Uh -huh. You know, it, it's yeah. a mix nowadays on the radio. R&B is a mix of like trap soul yeah. hip-hop throwback funk like you can kind of classify a lot of records in that pop r&b genre nowadays yeah i think so like i feel like it's uh it's all over the place it is and then like i feel like 
I don't know, like I'm real particular for people who actually sing uh-huh. versus kind of the R&B, which is like filtered through some modulation machine. Yes. And there's, I don't know, what do you feel about, what's your feelings about that? I agree with you. There, There is definitely a difference. There is a difference between like um, Janae Iko, she can sing her ass off, yeah. but she does a lot of that new age sounding filtered effect. Yeah. I think she was one of the kind of pioneers to that movement in the R&B world to, to kind of meld those two trap hip hop sounds yeah. and R&B, which I think is amazing. She, she kind of paved a way on that, but it, she can really sing, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think people get discredited sometimes when they you you know even like people are really surprised that like t-pain can really right. really yes it can. but it's like those people aren't really using this is what i'm learning too is that because for me it was such a shock to come into the industry and be like okay i went i studied music for 20 years i got my degree like i'm ready to be in and they're like oh that's not the requirements at all <laughs> like, oh shoot but i think that those like those are what modernize music and keep pushing you know most chord progressions have been done most melodies have been done so the use of technology infused into music i think is a brilliant idea because it is a new way to push the culture forward on on things like that it it does kind of give people who are who are maybe you know, maybe who would have to totally sing raw acapella, whatever, that who couldn't do that, people who couldn't do that, maybe have a better opportunity now because yeah. there is this manipulation right. and all of that. But I I overall think it's neat that, that that's part of music nowadays. And especially really neat when people who are super musically talented use it to their advantage. Yeah, I, yeah. And that's what I think I struggle with like, is using it in a way that feels like a nice addition right. to it versus being like the sole compensation. Right. Yeah. Compensate. You know what I mean? Like it's maybe it's just the time that I'm from yeah. growing up when, you know, it was a lot of like guy and girl groups mm-hmm. singing, which I love. I wish it was more of that actually. Me too. I and miss that. That's coming back though, because is it? At, well, look at Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars. No, that's, that's good. That's they are good. killing the game with, Mm. throwback 70s 80s they got their suits on they're singing like (laughs) jackson five i'm like all about it so i do think that there's a space for that and i think musicians like that stand the test of time as opposed to yes you can filter it yes you can sneak your way in and get away with it but if you're really really about your craft and you're really studied on it and you really love what you do then there's a place for you. Like you make your way, you know? Yeah. Is there like, it made me think of this, like do artists want to be remembered and for these timeless classics or do they just want to like have a hit? That is such a good question. Seriously, because I think artists need to ask themselves that. Honestly, (laughs) that needs to be all over the internet. Right? That's like a good question for people. It's such a good question. Look in the mirror. What do you want to, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's just a lot of hits. I can tell you for myself, which is maybe why it's taken me, I feel like a little bit longer to break in is because I do want to have a 20 year career in the music. 
I do want to have an Alicia Keys career. I do yeah. want to have a Madonna career. I don't care about making a one hit wonder and waking up in two years and three years and people say, who is that? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So I think that's an amazing question for every artist that they need to ask themselves is like, do you want a one hit or do you want to be remembered? And I think that those songs that stand the test of time are the ones that are, they have emotion in, they have feeling in them. Yeah. They, are instrument you know they have instrumental dynamics and things like that so that's a cool question yeah well, i mean, just was thinking about it and i was thinking like it's a throwback machine for me because i remember like in college i was at this step show and i remember they were playing jill scott in her first album which is amazing, amazing. oh my gosh yeah. and uh it was um he loves me it was the song that came on yeah uh, and i remember thinking what is this this is amazing like just that neo soul movement. Totally. And I think Jill Scott's been incredibly successful without yep. being huge for a lot of people, particularly, yes. you know. And I think there's a there's different ways to be known in Definitely. The business without it feeling like you have to be this mega, mega thing, you know. True, true. There's a lot of success to be had um in the music music industry on a different level. Like you just said, Jill Scott, it's funny, I feel like in the last two or three, maybe four years, people are like really discovering Jill Scott. And I'm like, oh. hey guys, she's been around for like- That like was like the 90s, man. That was like late 90s. I remember this, I mean, come on. Yeah, like since early 90s. Yeah, uh, but like, um, you know, I once I saw an interview with Jill Scott and she was like, she was going on the stage after Shaka Khan. And they yeah. were like, are you nervous that like that's Shaka Khan? And like, and she was like, that's Shaka Khan, but I'm Jill Scott. And she just Damn like right. really owned her space. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, I want to be an artist like that for sure. That's really amazing. So speaking of the music industry, let's talk about your feelings about the music industry, the current space, because I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk about this with Spotify yeah. and different things. What's your feelings on this? I think that I'm such a like person who like, I think there's opportunity in everything because you're the person who decides what's opportunity and what's mm -hmm. not. Like you decide if a mistake or if, like you decide everything that happens if it's an opportunity. So to me, I feel like I look at the playing field and then I say, where's the opportunity? Mm -hmm. So right now the space is that they went to streaming, right? Over the last few years. Mm -hmm went from buying CDs to being on the internet to go to streaming. Now all the artists are like, hey, nobody's getting paid and nobody's making money. <laughs> right. We're gonna be done with that. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that that is true and valid. I think all artists should be paid for what they do and what they put out and their music, but you're the person who creates the value about your music. So if you put it on Spotify, nobody made you do that. Yeah. So you know what the rules are. You know how much they pay. That's what Spotify has done. And they've built a huge company around doing that. A lot of people don't want to put their music on Spotify. Don't. You know, I have some, some music on Spotify and some music not on Spotify. I'm in the middle of kind of transitioning as, as I'm working towards my album to have a subscription on my channel and on my website where, you know, I want to give it to real fans and I want to work really hard for the people who really love it. Not so I can get a million streams, which you can buy, you know? 
I know that's crazy. And maybe get some validation of like, that's not based on anything real. How crazy is that? I don't think I, I know, I know a lot about this I have family members in the music business. And when I learned about this whole buying streams yeah. thing, I was, my mind was like blown. I was yeah. like, are you crazy? Like, how yeah. is this a thing? You know, like mm-hmm. it's crazy, but people do, but think about it, people do that with like followers and stuff. People buy yeah. a presence versus growing a presence you know which there is a like again you have to see opportunity you have to see strategy you have to see okay if you're gonna buy it how are you gonna leverage that Mm -hmm. to get yourself to get because like you asked such a great question of like what kind of artist do you want to be and to me like a one-hit wonder artist is also in the category of I buy all my fans, I do all that. But it's like, my goal as an artist is to leave a legacy, Mm -hmm. to make money, to do it on my time and do it in the way I wanna create. And I think I'm doing all those things. So I think that, but back to your question with the Spotify thing, I think that, like I said, a lot of people are up in arms about it, but nobody makes you put your music on Spotify. And there's a lot of other options. Not to not to kind of call out Spotify because there's tons of streaming platforms, right? Mm-hmm. And Spotify is just one of them. But I think that if you want to get paid more, if you want to do something different, like do your research, come up with a strategy, mm-hmm. you know, do something like for me, I've been like, okay, that's not gonna work to to propel my business. M- yeah. Making money on streams, it'll take me, you know, 500 million <laughs> streams. But okay, so let's do a subscription for the real fans and we'll use that. And we're going to do that instead of putting it up. So instead of kind of complaining, I think I've just decided there's, okay, there's a better way for me. I'm going to yeah. go this way, you know, and lots, lot everybody has that opportunity. Most definitely. So let's talk about your music in particular, but let's talk about like, how does, how is your music an expression of like you as a person? Mm. I think that kind of on what we're, on what we've been talking about is that it's really important to me to be an artist that people connect with, that people feel, um, you know, I think music is a special gift. I think it's kind of a superpower. And I think songwriting, especially, especially songwriting is a gift too. And so if you can do it, I think that you know, the expression of emotion through music is, is really a special thing. And so I feel kind of, I don't want to say an obligation, but like Mm -hmm. a responsibility to create music that allows people to tap in on a deeper level, or, you know, one of the, the best, most wonderful compliments I get at a show is when somebody who's like, I've been listening to that song for, for three months and it makes me feel better or I listen to it when I get ready in the morning and and it makes me feel this way and you know I I feel like you wrote that song about what I'm going through and that's like the best thing you can ever hear as a songwriter because you're being able to be a voice for people who don't write music or who don't know how to express themselves you know and then they hear a song and they're like wow that's how I feel but they don't know how to verbalize that right so yeah. that's what I want my music to, you know, kind of portray. Um, and so, yeah, it's always an expression of myself, the people around me, um, my fans, everything. So tell me about 
the quickest, like a song that came together the quickest. And tell me about this, a song that was difficult for you to finish. Hmm. Um, the quickest, definitely one of the quickest songs I've written is Eroticy, which is my song that just came out in September. Yeah. That was done in a writing session um, where I was in a writing session with Ray Rothschild, who is formerly Sugar Ray of the Double X Posse. So for people who are fans of hip hop, he's, he's an amazing writer. Um, and so we were sitting in a writing session and he asked me to play some stuff and we were talking about what I'm gonna do next. And I ended up playing a beat that I made years ago and I was kind of reluctant to play it. And I play, oh, I have this. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's it. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> um, but, but we ended up writing it that night and we wrote the whole entire song within that evening. So that's one of the fastest songs I've ever written. It just yeah. flowed, you know, it was there. The energy was right. Our writing styles match. Um, it was a very good kind of playing off of each other where he would make a suggestion and then I would make a suggestion and, oh, how about this and do this and make that. And so that came out very quick. Um, a song that I wrote that took a long time might be my song, You Matter, which I wrote a few years ago and I put out, um, which is still one of my favorite songs to this day. And a lot of people, you know, constantly tell me how much that has impacted them, which mm -hmm. is really special to me. But um, I think I, I had written it, I was working with like a weight loss page at the time and they asked me to write a theme song for their page. And I thought, hmm, how do I express, you know, something that kind of encompasses everybody, um, not just weight loss. And yeah. that, that's what came out of it is you matter. Um, but I think it was so important to me that it took me a while to like really make sure it was right. Um, which is good and bad, right? It's like, you wanna really make sure it's right, but then you put pressure on yourself yeah. because you're like, oh, I, you know, I wanna make sure this resonates with people um, and has an impact, which it did and, and it still does. So that's good. Awesome. Yeah. Now, when you're writing something, are you aware if it's gonna be really good or do you? I talked to artists about this, like some artists are not aware if a song's actually gonna be good or not. Hmm. Like they're like, or they think it's really great but then maybe the public doesn't think that's, or they say they, or the song you don't, you're like, oh, I'm okay about this song. And other people think that's the best song on the album. Totally. You were experiencing yeah, all the time. All the yeah, time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a similar thing. Yeah. Um, I would, I think in the music industry, that is a very common experience. And I think that that's an important thing for artists to know and understand is that like, this is the music business. So it's a very, very kind of like dichotomy of mm. being in an industry that is an expression of yourself and connection and vulnerability and blah, blah, blah. And then it's business, which is none of that. So it's like the music business is very, very interesting. And I think maybe why a lot of people don't succeed as an artist is because you really have to be able to compartmentalize. This is when I write a song. This is when I'm emotional, especially as a woman. This is when I'm emotional. This is when I'm writing a song. This is when I'm connecting and vulnerable. Okay, now I'm a boss. I'm not taking it personally. I'm in the room. We got everybody's opinion. They don't like my favorite. 
and you have to say this is the business side of it yeah i don't you know if there's a vote and it's five people and i voted for the one i love yeah but four of the you know the other writers and producers and engineers like this song you know it's like you have to if you want to progress as an artist you have to understand especially if you're putting yourself in the company of other people that you respect and admire in the industry you can't be emotionally attached to that yeah so yeah is there a pressure to sometimes produce music that maybe i would just be honest that you don't like like yeah. or maybe like you know like this yeah. has to be this type of record because this is what's hot out there right now but maybe yeah. you're not really that into it yeah oh yeah i think every artist has that pressure <laughs> um whether you again it's hard because especially myself as an artist like i'm constantly trying to be aware that i'm trying to put my not trying but i'm putting myself in positions to be around people that I respect and I mm -hmm. admire. And so then it's like, you get to a point where maybe somebody makes a suggestion and you're like, I don't wanna do that. Then you have to have an inner conflict of, with yourself to say, am I being stubborn and emotionally connected to this? Or am I following my intuition as an artist? Yeah. Because there's two different things, right? And it's like, like for example, Miley Cyrus, you know, there I've read a few articles of different artists, like top 10 songs that artists hate and hate yeah. perform. Like Miley Cyrus, her song Party in the USA was huge. Yeah. I mean, mega hit. She hate I, I've read multiple articles about how she doesn't like that song. I'm sure she doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so excuse me. But um, you know, it, it it's a blessing you want you know the dream is have a label and have a yeah. this and have that but it's like especially in this day and age um the label is kind of going away mm -hmm. and the independent artist is really making a way for themselves and i i really value that and i i cherish the fact that nobody makes me do anything yeah nobody you know like people who are assigned to certain labels sometimes do have to do a song that they don't like yeah and i feel like i try very hard yeah and and that's that's so disappointing and like yes this is an expression of your art you know what i mean like how can you tell me to do something that's not <laughs> authentic to who i am I'm like that doesn't make it's so contradictory it is. but you know that that's where the music business and the entertainment industry kind of are our gray area so yeah i, like I it was like you know, like in hip hop, like you put out an album, but then mm -hmm. like, you know, you have the mixtapes and stuff like that with it. And I always felt like the mixtape was always better than the album totally. because the mixtape was actually the real skill level yep. of the artist. And the album was like what the label wanted or what was hot. And yeah. I never liked the albums. I was like, I want to hear like the real raw stuff. You know? Yeah, like, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. You know? Like even like like R&B singers, I, I like when an R&B singer does a mixtape or something, whatever you want to yeah. call it now. It's like what, because that's feel like that's what I would do. I'd be like, all right, if I kind of have to do this, but like, I want to show, I want to do something for me. Like that right. I, I really like, doesn't matter if other people don't, but what I feel, what I'm feeling. Right. And a lot of artists do do that. Like, um, yeah. 
Mariah Carey advocated on her album, she advocated for like, I need to write 60% of the record or yeah. I need to. And, and so it's like, again, there's strategy, there's opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like leverage yourself. You can make yourself in a position to say, okay, um, you know, like, okay, perfect example, erodicy is like way less in-depth type music than I would maybe sure. go for. I'm very much about connection and self-reflection. And, you know, so when we wrote the song Erodicy, I was like, oh, what the heck? But then, <laughs> but that's where I had to have a self-talk, right? To say, is this me being stubborn and uncomfortable with pushing my limits as an artist? Yeah. Or is this really not right? And I got to a place where I said, as long as the lyrics and the video don't compromise who I am, it's good for me. It stretches me. It pushes me outside the box. It gives me an opportunity to connect to people in a club or in a party or yeah. wherever, and then be able to have conversations where I get to be more in depth like this. So yeah, I, I think with what you had asked about, you know, artists putting out songs that they're not comfortable with and stuff, it's like, you kind of have to, to yeah. make that decision yourself. So with R&B, I think I've asked this a few people, like, do you have to be sad to write great music? Or like, you know, weird, weird, yeah, do you have to be like a messed up kind of like? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes and no. Um, I think that you have to be able to, especially R&B, you have to be able to be emotionally tapped in where I like have songs I write and I'm like, okay, that needs to go away for a minute. Cause mm. it like really gets to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, look at Adele, she writes phenomenal music and it stands the test of time because it's so emotionally connected. Yes. But Adele is like a goofy, funny, fun person. She just has the ability to really, really tap into what she's going through. And I think she puts it on the paper and maybe leaves it there. And I don't yeah, know, and I don't yeah, know her, I've never had a conversation. But I think as a writer, it's therapy. Most artists who are writers will tell you who write like R&B, like sad, slow mm -hmm. songs, whatever. Um, they'll tell you like, that's therapy for me. Same for me, I'll tell you that too. <laughs> I want So I wanna know, like, tell me about your best vocal performance. Mm. how you knew it was like your best vocal vocal performance um i i probably have a few but one that stands out is that i played a bar in new york city and there's probably like 50 people there mm -hmm. it was one of the first shows i played in new york city and i i sang the song going down which is by rose royce but mary j blige covers it and made it very popular and she hits all these sort of high notes. Um, and I was just feeling the energy of the crowd. And I ended up doing, you know, all of all of those notes and riffs and, and people like loved it. And I my my best friend was there and she was like, I've never seen you so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was so fun. <laughs> wow. That was probably the best one that I can remember. Yeah. What made it different? Like, do you, do you feel like you were in the zone when you're doing yeah. it? Like, what would take me through that? I think it's good. People don't, you know, most people are not in that space. True. Like they're just doing their thing, regular thing. But yeah. it's good like to go behind or go deeper into like creative people. Like, how did yeah. you know you were in that space? 
Um, it's it's a it's a space that I think like everybody can relate to, even if you're not a music, like even if you're not an artist, and even if you've never been on a stage, mm -hmm. everybody has been in a space where they're doing something and it's just flowing, right? Yeah, yeah. Or they're working on a project and everything's clicking. Right. Or right. they're playing sports and they make every pass. Everybody can find their life, look at their self and be like, yeah, yeah, I've been in that space. It's the same. It's the same with music is that you get to this space where I think you let go and release the limiting beliefs around, oh, I'm nervous. Oh, I'm on stage. Oh, do people like it? Oh, do I look pretty? Oh, blah, 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 blah. And you get to a space where you're like, which that was very early on for me. So yeah. it was kind of like a surprise moment. Now I, I find that space a lot sooner because I'm very intentional about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, you get to a space where you're like, oh, I really love this. And I mean, anybody who understands energy understands that when you're in a space like that, you feel the energy. Mm. And that's something I love about live performance is that I can feel the energy. I can move the energy in a room. I can take them up and I can take them down and we can be excited. We can be sexy. We can be confident with eroticity. And then we can go into you matter and we can talk about real issues. Um, we can do going down with Mary J. Blige where you're like, Oh my gosh, I was just so happy. Now we're breaking yeah, up. Like now we're breaking that, up. <laughs> you know, that's that's the vibe. And so it's it's such a special place of connection and tapping into the energy of, you know, I'm very big on spirituality and mm -hmm. I'm very big on the energy of the universe and how we're all connected. And I think that you find that space when you're connected to the source of the energy. Mm. And and anybody has witnessed again you don't have to be on stage like if you watch steph curry play basketball sure. you know what the space is right mm -hmm. you watch lebron play you know what the space i don't even watch basketball sorry yeah. but i know <laughs> but it's sure. like you know right. that those yeah. people are in that zone and yeah. in that space in that energy same for a musician beyonce is is amazing because she finds that pocket with yeah no effort you know yeah. i think it's also an important note like that you're doing this a lot. You're putting in the repetitions. I think right. sometimes people coming up in any business, they want to skip the repetitions. Right. They want to be yeah. great. But, you know, the practice creates confidence. And the yeah. confidence creates that automatic feeling of, right. I just, I get it done. Right. And, I, and, and then it's easier to get into the zone when you've done all those things. Right. You know, for that. And if I think it's a good, I think it's just a point we need to drive home because a lot of people trying to, like, you're practicing all the time when you're a little kid. Yeah. Right. Like, I tell this to my daughter, she's 10. I'm like, you have to practice like regularly to be good at. So you just, just don't get good at something. Right. Like, without giving it the proper amount of time. Like, what are you pushing your effort towards right. on a regular basis? You know? Yeah. It's it, unfortunately this wave of digital and, and social media. Yeah. And instant google searches and all of those things make us even for myself it, it still takes me you know i'm finally getting to that sweet spot of life where i'm like oh i'm really really enjoying the journey yeah. but it, it you're totally right and that is such an important thing for you know i said this in an interview the other day with people they were asking me about artists and how do i vet my team and stuff and i was like people know 
you know, people, people stand the test of time in terms of artists, what you're saying about timeless music. Yeah. All of that is like, those people don't just wake up, you know, LeBron <laughs> James doesn't just wake up on game day. Like, no. you know, and it's like, there's no secret to how you become great. It's a matter of doing it. It's a matter of consistency. It's a matter of nobody's watching right now. What am yep. I doing? You know? Yeah, it's not glamorous most of the time. It's just, most of the time like, it's not just a grind. It's just like yeah. over and over. I mean, I yeah. like myself. I've been in the fitness business for 21 years. I'm I've done well over like 10,000 training sessions. And I'm just like over. It's a muscle. It's like over and over. Before I started this, I had six sessions this morning. I'm just like over and over. And like when people ask me, like, do you ever like think about what you're doing? Are you you nervous about your sets? I'm like, no. I'm just I just do it. Like, I don't have to think about it. It's kind of like, I remember back in the day was a big thing about artists, like writing their lyrics versus just like, you know, just getting in the booth and just doing it. Mm, yeah. Like, okay. Like a Jay-Z and like Biggie could do it. Like how, how many times have they been, they may be uh, unique in the sense. Right. But also, but think if you've been doing something like constantly it just becomes automatic. You're like, I can just step in and do it because this is like breathing for me. Right, right. So like, Which people miss that first part, they right? They miss the first like, part oh, of it. Oh, they can just freestyle. And it's like, yeah. they can freestyle because they have 100,000 rhymes in their head. Yeah, yeah. it's just you like, know? like yeah. pops up. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, that feeling where like you got in the zone, it's like, because you, you basically practice to be in the zone. Like it is, it's just like all this thing like blossomed in your mind immediately. Yes. When other people, it's like, it's hard. It's like, I can't think of it. I can't, well, you haven't done enough of it. You haven't spent the time, you know? You haven't made the mistakes. Yeah, yeah. You got to learn. You got to, you, know, you got to say, okay, how do I refocus myself? You know? Totally. Yep. Uh -huh. The huge part of learning in anything. Any, everything. You know? everything. Yeah. And I think with artists, it's like, you're very vulnerable because you're putting your, something that's very personal to you out to other people to judge in many ways. Right. <laughs> I always say music and sports are the only industry you put yourself on a platform to be judged by people who can't do what you can do. They're like, and then they're like, this is terrible. This, this is, is great. Terrible. It's like, <laughs> you can't do that. Even now it's worse because it's on Twitter or something. It's people just troll you and stuff. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, Ooh, you have thick skin yeah. about this stuff. You know? But you know what? Again, if you've put the time in and you've put the work in, like that's where I find a space of, if somebody makes a comment on, on social media that's negative about me or what I'm doing, it very rarely bothers me at all because I'm like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you writing these comments on the internet? Everybody who's successful and who's doing well and working hard are not making those comments on the you internet. You know what? That's a good point. Alana. They're not. I always, I always tell people this. I'm like, do you know anybody that spends this time getting in all this beef online like this and like writing these terrible? Who does this stuff? Like, right. no, it's and never any of my anybody who's really productive never does stuff like never. that. No, like, no. you don't even think about it. You're like, I'm busy working. Like, yeah. I, I'm like <laughs> who has energy for that? I read like, I'm like, that's funny. I'm like, <laughs> you have way too much time to be like skewering this. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you don't even know me. <laughs> that's the strangest part. Is like very successful people generally don't do this type of behavior. Like. Yeah. It's like it's just, very, that's why it's like really kind of funny to me. And of course, like celebrities and people with, you know, who put themselves out publicly, like 
still have feel you know you and i still yeah, have feelings have we feeling, still like yeah. it's still rude you know it's still like, rude yeah. make comments like that but it you know it can't be given any energy yeah totally agree well listen laura thank you for spending some time with me here. yeah thank you for having me yeah of course and i learned a lot about you and and uh your music career and growing up and i think people are gonna love that I'm yeah love thank that, you so, so much so um please, let everybody know yeah, the song Erodicy is out. It's, it came out in September. It's on all streaming platforms. Um, the video is on YouTube. So I hope people will, you know, enjoy our interview and get to know me more and come find me. Um, I'm on social media and I love to connect with everyone who has nice comments. <laughs> don't don't put me in comments to Laura, okay? Come on. Be classy. <laughs> have, some, have some class. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Laura. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Autumn is in the air. Time for back to school, football games, and pumpkin lattes. Fall is also a great time to buy or sell a car online at driveway.com. Welcome to Driveway, where you can feel completely in control of your car buying or selling experience. Our nationwide network with tens of thousands of vehicles is unmatched. And when you buy from Driveway, there's no pressure. We offer our best price up front. That's Driveway, a customer-friendly experience that makes buying or selling your car easy. Driveway. Auto done easy.